Dear God, we just thank you for this food and thank you for your nourishment life for our body. We thank you for this meal together as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, I'm praying for my family right now. We're all sick and we need your healing. God, I pray for this presentation today that may go well. Whatever the outcome is, just have it be your will. All right, God. So I know I'm not really ready for this test, but please help me not to fail it. God, thank you for good friends, for giving me the strength and the friendship that I need. Today is going to be so hard. God, I need your strength. Lord, please help my parents stop fighting. Lord, thank you so much for my grandparents. God, give me the strength to get my family through this. God, I'm so happy. I pray that you would bless our marriage. You know, I was, I was thinking just a few minutes ago what it was like to be a, a nursery worker about 20 minutes ago. Th- have you thought about that? You're just in the nursery this week, and you're volunteering, you're like, man, I've got my cup of coffee here. This is really chill. I mean, we've got like three kids today on Mother's Day. All the moms love their kids so much, they brought them all into the service to hear the sermon. And it's and it so wonderful. And then all of a sudden, 19 children and counting. There's a show about that, 19 kids and counting, start coming in and start, start filling in. And anyway, uh, yeah, it was great to see all those families here. And just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms here today. We appreciate you. We've been in a series uh, called Pray uh, for several weeks now. The first week, uh, we talked about how we're strengthened in power. We're going to pray to be strengthened in power to do God's work. And we talked about how uh, too many times our, our prayers are so small and generic and, and, and those don't challenge our, our big God. They, and, and so we, we said, hey, we're going to pray big and specific prayers. And I, I wish I had time this morning. I would share with you story after story. We, we had people that were diagnosed with cancer in week one that found out this week when they had surgery that their tumor w- had shrunk and um, things are going great. We, we, we had people lose a job and one of them has a new job and they start tomorrow. And it's a job that's going to be better. I mean, we've had all these situations and circumstances happen, and people have been coming to me just saying, hey, I want you to know I prayed a big specific prayer, and look what God did. And so hopefully this has really fired you up to communicating with God and giving Him those big specific prayers. That was, that was week one. Week, week two, we talked about praying for outsiders, and we talked about the fact that we have to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. If we try to go do evangelism on our own, we're destined to fail. We need the power of God. And I was actually talking to someone just Friday of this week on how they were praying specifically for God to prepare hearts and prepare a way to bring the gospel to someone who's in desperate need of it. And we need to do that. We need to be praying for the outsiders, praying for those who are far from God, and praying for the opportunities before us. And then last week we talked about unity. Because unity is mission critical. Because we know that disunity disrupts the mission of the gospel. And in John chapter 17, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. And he was praying and he prayed to God. He said, oh Father, that they, and he was talking future tense. It's all the Christians that would come and follow him later. He said that all of them, that they would be one as you and I are one. And this week we're going to continue in talking about uh, prayer. And today we're going to be talking about something that I think we can all relate to, which is knowing God's will. 
When we have decisions in our lives, it's like, how can I know the way? How can I know exactly what, what God uh, is, is telling me to do, how he's leading me? And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you this morning and say, you know, I'm, I'm not the best at this. This isn't one of those things where Eric always knows God's will definitively. He always knows the exact decision to be made. He always feels led by God in this way or that way. But there are some things I've learned along the way, and I want to share those with you this morning. I'm just curious, by a show of hands this morning, how many of you ever have ever prayed to know God's will in your life? Anyone? Show of hands. I have prayed and said, I want to know God's will. God, show me the way you want me to go. Okay, many of you here this morning. And so you're going to be able to relate to this because we want to know the direction, right? If there's two paths in front of us and we have this option A and option B, we will pray to God. Those that, that seek God and want to please Him, and those that are Christians, we would, we would seek God and we would want to know what is the best way. Is it option A or is it option B? We would like to know the direction, and sometimes God makes it plain and evident to us, but we just have a trouble seeing it sometimes. Sometimes it's just simply that easy. I want to show you an example of this. Uh, put a logo up here on the screen. This is the FedEx logo. Everybody familiar with FedEx? Okay, everybody, you've probably seen that for years, and you know the purple and the orange is the FedEx logo. When they came up with this years ago, there's actually insignia within the logo that they wanted everyone to see. The problem is, is that no one saw it. In fact, I didn't see it until about two years ago. I had someone point it out to me. And I was like, oh, I never knew that was there before. Because in the FedEx Express area there, there is actually a sign, a symbol, that they wanted you to associate this. When you heard FedEx, you would think of this symbol. Do you, got, do you all see it? Maybe a couple of you see it? There's an arrow in FedEx. Do you see the arrow? We're going to outline it for you right now. Look at the arrow. Right there between the E and the X, there's an arrow. That's what they wanted you to get out of FedEx. And it's like, wait, I've never seen that before. I've looked at that for years and never seen the arrow. It's so clev cleverly placed in the logo, you're, you're like, wow. And that's what they wanted. They wanted you that when you saw that arrow, you would think Federal Express. You would think shipping. You would think of using them. I believe that's the way it is with God sometimes. Sometimes it's right there, and you know it's right there, but you're just you're afraid to act on it. Or you just can't see it because you're so busy. And we just keep praying and we feel like we're praying, but it's like banging our heads against the wall because we just keep praying. But we don't have any sense of direction. We don't have any sense of the, the way that God would have us to go. And sometimes it's just simple. It's just we just don't see it. But I think the issue of knowing God's will is one of the most talked about topics when I meet with people. When people want to meet with me, oftentimes it comes down to we have big decisions to make. And we want to know, does God want us to do this or does God want us to do that? And we really want to know, what is God's will for our life? You see, this, this is tough. We want to please God. We want to go His way in life. And all of our decisions, we want to honor Him. If we're truly Christians and we're truly dedicated to Him, this is something that ought to be on our minds and it ought to matter to us. And for many Christians, it does. For some of you here today, you're like, yes, that is exactly where I'm at. I want to know God's will. I want to know when I have a decision to make and I have A, B, C options, which way God would have me to go. A lot of people think there's just one way. And we, we kind of live in fear about that. We have option A, B, and C, and they all look like good options. And God could be glorified in all the options. And, and I could do big kingdom things in all of the options, but I know God only has one. And I know if I, if I pick the wrong one, then I'm going to live in eternal punishment the rest of my life. And, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think that way. I don't think that God, every time you have a decision, has just one path 
for you. I'm going to give you a different way of thinking about this this morning. I hope this maybe brings you some relief and gets to change your perspective a little bit on the will of God. Because so many people think there's just one way. Like, let's talk about a mate, okay? People, when they get married, they say there's just one person for you out there. God has one person of the millions and millions of people in all the world. They're just one. And if you pick the wrong one, you will not have a good marriage the rest of your life. Now, I want to present a different way of thinking about that this morning. This might be super helpful to those of you that are still single. What if God had 10 people, and he'd be happy if you married any 10 of these people, but it was what you did in your marriage to glorify God. It's what you, it's how you lived, it's how you honored him, how you praised him that made the difference. Because God's will maybe isn't that you marry just this certain one person. Don't mess it up. It's actually that you would honor God in your marriage. That would be his will. Different way of thinking, isn't it? Some of you have been faced with a, a, an occupational decision. You, you've had to choose a career path, and you've said, oh, God, I, I could go this way, or God, I could go this way. And, and this is option A, and it could be really good, and this would give me time to do this, and then B, and this, and, but this is really my passion, and I just, God, which way do you want me to go? And we sit there, and we pray, and we pray, and we seek God, and we should. But so many times we're just like, is it this way, or is it, is it that way? Well, what if... God's way is that you would honor me and you would glorify me in either workplace that you choose. What if God's way just isn't one, but it, he gives us options? What if you're starting a ministry and, and you say, hey, I know I'm supposed to be a ministry. I know I'm supposed to contribute to the kingdom, but I feel called and gifted to this and to this and to this. And so I've got these three options, and they're all great options, and I can serve the body of Christ, and I can be involved in God's church, and it would be wonderful. But which one is the right way? And so we pray and we cry out to God, which is the one? And God says, hey, do your best in all of these ways. Glorify me in all of these ways. And in doing so, that is my will for you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes the ways will be more obvious to us than others. Sometimes it's a, it, it'll be a question of morality or what I call a, a question of priority, bringing into focus the priority. You know, sometimes decisions are hard. You know, do, do, we, do we skip the church on Sunday to, to go do this or that? You know, there's some of those decisions where you feel like, okay, God can lead you in a certain way, and if you read the Word and you get to know God and you get close to God, you will know what He desires. You will know what the Scripture says, and many times that will lead you. It will not be, your, it will not be God's will for you to do anything in your life that would remove Him from being first, center, best, and foremost in your life. And we know that. And so it's important that we read the Scriptures. It's important that we pray. It's important that we try to discern what God's will is. But there's a different way of thinking about it. You have your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be at verse 9. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, you want to grab the one there in front of you. Turn it to page 980. And you can always follow along in our app. We've got the app now. Just go into the app, hit connect. And then right there on the top right is a tile that says sermon notes. And it has all the notes and all the scriptures and um, I love following along that way. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. This is a letter Paul wrote to the Philippians, which were the Christians at the church in Philippi. I love how he begins here down in verse 3. 
He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. He's thanking God for these Christians that are there, and it's, and it's just wonderful. It's like, God, thank you so much for these people. They're so wonderful. I'm thanking them. Every time I remember them, I'm praying for them. And then we get down to verse 9, which is our passage for today, verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. What does that mean exactly? He's saying, it is my prayer that your love, that your love would abound, that it would grow, that it would be sufficient, but it would be on the increase perpetually, that your love would abound more and more and more, that this would be a growth thing in your life, that you would be more and more loving, looking more and more like Christ Jesus. He says that, you would, that your love would abound more and more, and look what he says next, after the comma there in verse 9. He says, with knowledge and all discernment, I love the way the NIV puts this. It says, in knowledge and in depth of insight. Discernment, depth of insight. That you would grow more and more and abound even more and more with knowledge and all discernment, verse 10, so that, okay, here's that cause and effect. We've seen this in many of the prayers we've studied over the last few weeks. So, okay, we're, we're going to pray that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment so that, so that what? So that you may approve which means that you would know for certain that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That, that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and discernment so that you may approve so that you would know what? What pleases God? What is excellent? What is pure and what is blameless for the day of Christ? The day of Christ referring to the day of judgment. When he's going to judge all of us for our actions and our deeds. That you can actually have discernment for what is excellent, for what is pure, and for what is blameless. I mean, that's what we're after in our decisions, aren't we? God, which way is your way? Which way, which way is the way that is pure? Which is the way that is excellent? Which is the way that is blameless? It'll keep me out of trouble. Here's the bottom line this morning. The key to knowing God's will is knowing God. The key to knowing God's will is knowing God. If you know God more, you can discern better the way that He is. You can discern better what He would want you to do. Romans 12, chapter 2, uh, or Romans chapter 12, verse 2, puts it this way. It says this, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good is pleasing His perfect will. But what has to happen? It says there that, that do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of the world? It's to trust in our knowledge as mankind, to trust in ourselves, to only look to other humans for wisdom, to only look for other hum humans to solve our problems. And you know deep down inside as well as I do that most of our problems come from a spiritual issue. And so we are called to be transformed by being taken out of the thought process of limited knowledge in the human form and into God's process, which is infinite knowledge in the godly form. Mike Akinelli is a famous writer, youth ministry guru, 
read him, studied him a lot when I was doing youth ministry. He really started in the 80s and 90s. He has a great quote. I want to share it with you this morning. Just listen to this. The real issue in life is not the search for God's will. It is the search for God. The issue in faith is not knowing what God is doing. Rather, it is knowing that God knows what He is doing. The issue of faith is seeking God's presence, not God's plan for your life, because there is no plan outside of you knowing Him. We don't need to know the will of God. We need only to know God, which is, strangely enough, His will. Does that make sense? Do you understand? God's will is that you would know Him. And in knowing Him, you'd actually be within His will. I know there's several things that we want to understand when we face these decisions in life about God's will and God's way. And so there's several things I want us to understand this morning as we pray to know God in His direction. As we pray to know God in His direction, what do we need to understand? Several things this morning. If you've ever been through experiencing God with Henry Blackaby, uh, several of these things this morning I got out of that study that I did years ago. Uh, the first thing is this. We need to understand that God is always at work around you. When you're faced with a decision, when you're thinking about what is God's will for my life, God is always at work around you, okay? God will work in spite of us, or God will work with our participation. Of course, our best decision in life is that we would go the way of God and we would participate with Him in whatever work He is doing. I want to tell you this morning, God does not need you or me to accomplish His mission. He doesn't need us. He doesn't have to have us. He is quite capable on His own to accomplish His will. However, it is His desire so much that He would send His Son to die, it is His desire that His people would join Him in His work that's going on around them. So the first thing we need to understand this morning is that God is always at work around you. The second thing we need to understand this morning is that God invites you to become involved with His work. God is at work around you, but He wants you to be involved. He invites you to become involved in His work. That is why we talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God Almighty. He desires a relationship. That is why He created you. That's why He made you what the Bible says, in His own image. He wanted to connect with us on a deep and personal level. And He wants you to join Him in His work. He's inviting you to be involved in, in your life. And as you go through life, you're going to, there's going to be these times where when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to feel a tug to join God in His work and spreading His message and doing His work and serving as you're walking in step with Him. And in those times will be the times where you most will remember God's work. Where you will most feel led that you're going His way and His direction. The third thing this morning is that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. This is a part of what we call discipleship. This is a part of something we call sanctification. The process of us growing and becoming more like Jesus Christ. God will use 
whatever he wants to use to grow you into a place of usefulness for him. There's so many times we go through life, and I think of these times where God is trying to get our attention, and he'll do that in many ways. You'll be reading scripture, and then something will just pop out, and you're like, whoa, that scripture is convicting. That scripture is leading me to think this or to do this. There's times you go through life, and you're praying, and you're like, whoa, I feel like God's wanting me to pray about this, or God is wanting me to do this. There are times in life where your circumstances come, and you get a diagnosis, or someone that you love dearly passes away. You have a circumstance come up at work where you might lose your job. You, you, you enter into a period of financial ruin. Those circumstances, God, used those, God uses those times to say, may I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? And God uses those times to mold us and to shape us and to push us toward the usefulness that we can have in Christ Jesus. And he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit that is living within us. And that Holy Spirit guides us along as we read the Word and as we pray as these circumstances come. And even in the church. Because that's the way he reveals to himself his purposes and his ways. The fourth thing I want you to understand this morning is that God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. God's invitation for you to work with Him, to go His direction in your life when you're facing these decisions, will always lead you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. You will always come to a point when you are making decisions where you will have a crisis of belief. Is God really large and in charge? Is God really who He says He is? Is God really the one in charge and leading this thing? And when you come to this point in your life and you're asking those type of questions, is really when God wants you to press into Him even more. Faith is not knowing what God is doing. Faith is knowing that God knows what He's doing. And I know sometimes we get circumstances in life that we don't like. I mean, who, who, who would like a cancer diagnosis this week? Nobody wants something like that going on. And God doesn't say, I'm going to remove all the harmful things and all, all the, the, the terrible things that will happen to you in this world. No, he said, in this world you will have trouble. But he said, take heart because I have overcome the world. He doesn't say, I'm going to take away all these hardships. He says, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take them away from you, but I do promise you this. I will get you through them. I will get you through them, but what do you have to do? you got to know God. You're going to have to press into him even more. When you're going through these hard times in your life, you want to know what his will is. His will is that you would press into him more, that you would be coming to him more, that you would be co-dependent on him even more. I was looking out during first service this morning. I saw several widows that I'm sure came to this time in their life where their loved one, their mate for life had passed away, and they feel lonely, and they, they feel lost. It's such a hard time. I'm thinking, how do these people survive? You know how these people survive? It's because they press into God even more and even more and even more. They seek Him. And then they know they're walking in His will. When I was in youth ministry, one of the ways I defined authentic faith for kids was that authentic faith, believing God, is believing that God is who He says He is and that He will do all that He has promised to do. God is who he says he is. He will do all that he has promised to do. And that's exactly where he wants you to be. It's exactly what he wants you to believe when you're facing decisions in your life is that I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And when you want to follow God's plan and his ways, 
you'll always be required to have both faith and action. We read that in the book of James. Faith without works, faith without deeds is a dead faith. You show me your faith by your words. I'm going to show you my faith by putting it into action and doing deeds. The last thing I want you to understand this morning is that you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what He's doing. You must, it's not an option, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what He is doing. This is the cost of discipleship. This is the way of following Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit's guidance and conviction in our lives, we make adjustments away from worldly pursuits now going to heavenly pursuits you want to walk in God's will you will have to adjust your priorities as at a situation I was faced with a couple of years ago I was coaching a basketball team in MAYB Mid-America Youth Basketball in the summer and we'd won a bunch more games than I thought we would win to be honest with you and we made it to the semifinals the problem was the tournament was Friday night and Saturday and I did not know it went into Sunday I went into Sunday, I was hoping and praying it'd be Sunday afternoon, but it wasn't. And I'm coaching these, you know, preteen girls, and we're doing great, and I had a decision to make. Interesting thing about that weekend is I was actually not scheduled to preach. I was actually off. In fact, I was hoping to be at another church visiting in another city on that morning. But the day came, and and my daughter being on the team, you know, we wanted her to to be there. and, And I just thought, as a pastor, I have a dilemma here. Do I go to church, even though I'm, I'm, I'm on vacation, I'm technically off today, or do I go coach at the tournament? This decision weighed on me so much, I actually called the elders and sought their advice in it. No one gave me an answer. <laughs> but I prayed, and I decided, you know what? On Sunday mornings, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. That's where I feel like I need to be. And I want to be an example to the flock. So I got a mom to coach that game. And my team lost to uh, another local team. It was the Chisholm team by a couple points. And, uh, you know, I was bummed about that. But God showed me that I made the right decision. Because I had several families from the opposing team that knew I was a pastor And in their minds, they had the dilemma that Sunday morning themselves, is he going to be here? I heard he's off today, so surely he's going to coach the basketball team because he's off. He's not preaching today. He's on vacation, actually. So he has every right to come down here and be down here at the event center and coach, but I didn't. And several people shared with me later on how that impressed something in their life, that the priority of God for me wasn't a deal of convenience. The priority of God in my life actually spoke into theirs. You know, I don't know how God feels when we come to those decisions in our life. But all I know is when I err, I want to err on going His way and His direction. And that's why the key and critical point this morning that we need to understand is the key to knowing God's will is to know God. Because when you read His Word and when you pray to Him and you allow your life circumstances to speak to you, you'll find out He's been pursuing you all along. And when you make adjustments in your life, I want to encourage you this morning to always, 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 always go God's way. When in doubt, go God's way. 
because I believe that is going to be his will for you in Christ Jesus. Let God transform you. Let him mold you and shape you into usefulness for his kingdom. Let him make you into all that he intended to be. But it's only in Christ Jesus. It's only by putting your faith in him. It's so simple. Yet we make it so complex. But you know what's interesting is that this process starts the same way for every human being. It starts with surrender through repentance and confession. It starts with you saying, you know what, I can't do it on my own and I need Jesus in my life. And you turn from your life of sin and you surrender yourself to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And my challenge for you this morning, if you came in and you thought, wow, I want to know God's will. It's going to be great. I'm going to end with this this morning. We don't need to know the will of God. We only need to know God. Because that, strangely enough, is his will.